0: Welcome to the Rainbow
1: Skyline Podcast on the Athletic. Nice pass, That's That's in my house. And I told him, listen, if you see me around Denver, Colorado, anywhere, it's
2: all about the Nuggets right now. Rainbow, Rainbow. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Rainbow Skyline Podcast. I'm your host, Dave DeFore. Joined as I am every week by my co-host Kendra Andrews. Hi, Kendra. We've only been doing the little uh, post-game briefs. We we didn't do a show together last week. Uh, anything happening with the Nuggets or what?
0: <laughs> there's some there's some stuff going on. Stuff definitely going on with the Nuggets. Not all good stuff, but stuff nonetheless. Uh, played game two of their series against Utah the other day, and Utah tied it up one-one heading into game three tomorrow. Tomorrow is Friday, so that is game three. But there's, there's a lot to talk about with how the Nuggets have been doing so far. I personally don't think we've seen the best out of either team yet when it comes to this playoff series. So I think these games, you know, the first one was really close, but there's potential for them to be even closer when
2: both teams fully show up. Well, not only do we have a lot to say about the Nuggets, their coach, Mike Malone, also had a lot to say, and uh, not all of it, even th- even though he sounded pretty happy, not all of it was good.
1: This is probably the greatest frustration I have right now. The issue with our defense right now is that we're giving up everything. 18 made threes in two games, and uh, that's 54 points a night, which is 15th out of 16 teams. We're giving up 50 points in our paint, which is dead last. And teams are shooting an extraordinarily high percentage from the field and from the three, but we're also second to last in offensive rebounds allowed and second chance points. So here's the a, here's a dilemma that you're in. We're giving up threes, we're giving up paint, we're giving up offensive rebounds. At some point, we have to draw a line in the stand and say, you know what, we're no longer giving up the paint, the three, and the glass. We have to take two of those three away.
2: Okay, so pretty clear Mike Malone knows the issues with his team. Yeah, I mean, you know, surprise. Uh, they have given up a lot of threes. In the competitive portion of game two, the Jazz shot over 50% from three. It was crunch. It was a garbage time that they really missed, but they still wound up 45.5% for the game. But I think the 44 attempts has to really bug Malone quite a bit, especially listening to that quote.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the thing with the threes is when when you're playing a team that has a good shooter like Donovan Mitchell and a good shooter like Joe Ingles, they're going to shoot some threes. However, it's the volume that's problematic as well as how easy a lot of those looks have been. The the Nuggets aren't doing anything to pressure them off of the three-point line. And so the Jazz are just Throwing them up, majority of them are going down because they are open looks. And then when the Nuggets do, you know, apply enough pressure to run them off the three point line, the Jazz are taking advantage in the paint as well.
2: Well, it, especially it is glaring when you look at the difference between the Nuggets three-point attempts in game one to game two. The Nuggets really killed the Jazz and won the game because they were 22 of 41 from three. They were walking into wide-open threes, and they were hitting them. But the 41 threes was a real issue for Utah, and you could see they keyed in on that. In the first half of game two, they actually held the Nuggets to only 11 three-point attempts, 27 for the game, and it just becomes a math problem at that point. If you're able to shoot – 17 more threes than your opponent. That's 17 more opportunities to, you know, take a very high quality shot, especially if you look at the analytics. So, it's it's pretty obvious that teams can do this. Now, the question is, what happened with the Nuggets defense and like why did they overreact to Donovan Mitchell having a good game and just let the rest of the Jazz walk into open threes?
0: I mean, that I think they were so Shocked. I don't even know if shocked is the right word, but just so, I mean, Donovan Mitchell destroyed them in game one. He scored 57 points. The only reason I believe that the Jazz did not win game one as well as game two is because the rest of the Jazz were pretty non-existent in that game and it was Mitchell who carried them. So when after that game, you go and you're thinking of defensive adjustments that the Nuggets need to make, need to make, and it's, oh, well, we need to adjust on Donovan Mitchell because he was the problem, but they almost overcorrected, as you said. So they, you know, had two guys running out to Mitchell and you're leaving all these other guys like Joe Ingles. Jordan Clarkson was huge in game two. You're leaving them wide open And then they're hitting down shots. You know, they were only really accounting for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. So yeah, you have a go out on Mitchell and then you have some other guys collapse into the paint to protect uh, Rudy Gobert. But then again, you're not accounting for all of these other guys that the Jazz have that just were absent in game two. So you kind of, they kind of have to choose (laughs) unless they can figure out how to do both which maybe they can, but they kind of have to choose. Okay, do we want to let Mitchell have his shots that he's going to get and try and take every other person out of this game? Or do we want to take Mitchell out of this game and let every other person shoot? I don't know if that's necessarily the right approach to have to it because you need need to do both, and the Nuggets have not done that yet.
2: Yeah, I I tend to think that uh, relying on – the team's best player to have huge outlier performances and just shutting everyone else down. I, I would much rather go that way. Donovan Mitchell, if, if he has to score 50 a game, 60 a game for them to be in it, well then so be it, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to get beat by Royce O'Neal <laughs> who had nine points and eight assists in, in, in game two. I'm just not going to let that happen. They got to find a way to shut down Jordan Clarkson. But one of the other things he talked about was making choices. You can't give up the threes that they're giving up. And give up paint points. So far in this series, in two games, the Nuggets have given up 100 points in the paint. And when you look at the difference between game one and game two, you could almost write off what Utah did against the Nuggets, uh, forcing them off the three-point line, because the Nuggets hit their threes. They were 13 of 27. So, all right, it didn't necessarily work completely, but it, it worked enough. Where they really killed them was in the paint. They outscored them by 20 points in the paint. 28 points for the Nuggets. So clearly Utah keyed in on that and said, you know what? We are going to run you off the three-point line and we are going to keep you out of the paint. 20 mid-range points for the Nuggets in game two. So it can be done, Kendra. It
0: it can. And I have to also just say, I think Malone hated the fact that the only only shot they could take is the mid-range. Because I think Malone wants to do away with the mid-range jump shot. But as you said, the Jazz figured out how to sandwich them in that mid range area and not let them get anything else. And, you know, the Nuggets need to figure out how to kind of do a similar thing because they, you know, we've said that they're overcorrecting with Mitchell, but they're also overcorrecting with three point line versus in the paint because Jazz, the Jazz have guys who can do both. So you need to, need to, you know, Malone talked about how the fact that the Jazz have shrunk the floor for the Nuggets and the Nuggets need to shrink the floor for the Jazz as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the side effects of the Jazz defensive adjustments was Jokic was aggressive from the, from the get-go, which is out of character for him. I mean, there are, I, I can count on, you know, probably off the top of my head, like 10 times a season where he might have a- attempted one shot in the first half mm-hmm. and now don't, don't. Don't fact check me on that, please. This is <laughs> anecdotal. But it's just out of character to see him hit double digits and shots in the first half of a game. He normally likes to have that third quarter, fourth quarter run. You know, It's almost like he's just rope-a-doping you the entire time. <laughs> but in this game, because they started out so rough, he was having to be more aggressive. I wonder if that ag- aggressiveness from him kind of threw Murray off because Jamal did not look comfortable at all in this game.
0: Maybe, you know, that's a point that I hadn't actually thought about in that dynamic because Jamal is usually the attacker early on and then they kind of flip-flop roles where then maybe Murray becomes more the facilitator down the stretch. I also think, I mean, Utah did a great job uh, adjusting their defense on Murray by putting Royce O'Neal on him and having that bigger body pretty much just smother him. Uh, He finished with just 14 points in Game 2 after finishing with I believe thirty six in game one, so yeah. I mean, and Jamal knew it. I mean, he he said he as the as the point guard he cannot go out there and have just fourteen points in a playoff game. Like that's that that can't happen. And you know, I think this the the, de- the defensive adjustment that Utah put on Jamal. And also, speaking of which, they also took Rudy Gobert off of Nicole Jokic and had Juwan Morgan defending him and had Gobert as kind of a floater. He could kind of just sneak in when the defense needed him to. Those defensive adjustments worked so well that it now puts the onus back on the Nuggets to adjust on offense and defense. So I think heading into game two, both teams knew they had adjustments to make. Jazz did it very successfully. So now it's really all on the Nuggets to say, okay, we need to approach offense and defense pretty differently if this is how they're going to play us game three and beyond.
2: Yeah, the the Murray-Craig combo, mm-hmm. they, they scored 47 points in game one and 14 in game two with all 14 of those points coming from Jamal Murray. So needless to say, whatever Utah did in, in game two, I mean, we know what they did, but <laughs> it was extremely effective. I mean, Jamal Murray only shot two threes. Mm-hmm. That's it. And
0: only made one I mean, of them. that.
2: That is excellent defensive game planning. I mean, they just kept him very uncomfortable. And, and you know, I, I, if there was one criticism of the Nuggets that we have heard all year, it's about their defense. Mm-hmm. Hey, your defense isn't doing enough. Your defense uh, doesn't, it's not connected enough. It's not physical enough. It's not enough, enough, enough. Okay, that's that's all fine and good. But the one thing they're supposed to be able to do is score. And they, they were mollywopped. In this game.
0: And I don't think people, I think people have given the Nuggets too much credit for their offense in game two because a lot of the conversations I've been hearing at least have been well, their offense was fine, but it was the defense that they were just lacklustre on defense. They gave up too much. Then by the third quarter, they just threw in the towel and kind of let Utah have it. But Utah's defense was as good as the nuggets was bad if that makes any sense sure. like mm-hmm. the, the 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 nuggets did no favors for themselves on defense but then utah just absolutely took away their offensive game so it's really on both ends that that uh, denver lost this game and yes you know hitting 13 threes is great however considering the volume of shots that utah was hitting you, they can't afford to just exchange buckets and exchange three pointers because the Jazz had a 10-point lead. And if you just keep hitting three pointers back and forth,
2: it's gonna stay as a
0: 10-point cer- lead.
2: <laughs> at a certain point in the playoffs, especially, you've just got to get stops. Right? right. The the teams that win playoff series can get a stop when they need it. And it just felt like every time the Jazz started to go on a run, it was inevitable. The Nuggets could do nothing to stop them.
0: And the two, the two big there were two really big runs in this game to close out periods at the end of the second quarter. I think it was like the last six minutes, the jazz went on a 22 to six run. And then in the last minute and 50 seconds, it was a nine zero run to put them up 13 at the half. And then you get into the third quarter and the third quarter is when Mitchell went off and the game really ran away from the nuggets. They put together, you know, a 21 point run and again and that was the the nuggets were within 12 they could have gotten back into it and then they just had absolutely no answers and that's when the game just ended there was no shot at them but those were those were moments like they could have they could have stayed in it and they could have been in this game and at least made it competitive towards the end but utah just took it to them and they could not do anything about it
2: sure The regular season is fun and all, but only one thing can compare to the excitement of the basketball playoffs, and that's having skin in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Basketball has made its way through the regular season. Now it's time to crown a champion, and DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you in the center of the action. To celebrate basketball's first round of the playoffs, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you an amazing free bet offer. For every day that you bet at least $20 on basketball, DraftKings Sportsbook will give you a $10 free bet. Head to the app right now and check out all that they have to offer, including player props, quarter-by-quarter betting, and so much more. Plus, don't forget about the hockey playoffs. DraftKings Sportsbook is offering great odds and promotion all week long to help you make it rain. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code RAINBOW when you sign up. For a limited time, all users can get a $10 free bet when placing a bet of $20 or more on all first-round playoff action. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out by offering a $10 free bet when placing a bet of $20 on all first-round playoff action. Again, that's promo code RAINBOW. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See draftkings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay, we can't talk about the Nuggets. I think it's it's in my contract. We are not allowed to talk about the Nuggets <laughs> unless we bring up Michael Porter Jr. Of um Needless to say, game one, not his best performance on either end, but the defensive end was especially atrocious. He was targeted for for the majority of, of his time in the second half, didn't play at all in overtime, only 12 minutes total in the second half because that his defense was terrible. And mm-hmm. he wasn't – if he could score, he could have stayed on the floor, but he just wasn't scoring. He was clearly uncomfortable. Game two, different story, 28 points, 6 of 9 from 3. Only six rebounds, which I'm I'm sure no one with the Nuggets is happy about. Um, I thought his defense was better. Mike Malone doesn't necessarily agree.
1: Obviously, he scored 28 points, so so I thought you know, offensively uh, he did some good things. He made shots when the game was getting away from us to keep it fairly respectable. But I'll be honest, I don't think any of us played well yesterday. Uh, But those are all – I mean, I I remind myself, and I think everybody else has to remember – Michael you know, Michael's in his first year of playing after taking two years off. So um, offensively, he was good. But defensively, Michael, as well as everybody else, has to be better. Uh, there was way too much confusion and pick and rolls between Michael and Torrey. Well, we gave up probably 12 to 15 points on communication breakdowns.
2: So, all right. I think that they're being a little bit rough on him. He was He was able to tread water enough that they couldn't just target him. Now, with that being said, Utah was just throwing everything in the hoop. I mean, uh-huh. they they were it was like they were shooting into the ocean. So, so maybe it's hard to judge, but I do think he held up just a little bit better than he did. And and in particular, I thought mentally he held up better. He didn't look as frustrated, his head wasn't down. And he was scoring, which you know, Michael Porter Jr. That's the one thing you need out of him, right? For sure, he has got to put points on the board.
0: I think, and I think that was the difference maker, at least for his probably his mindset um, in in game two. Is well, at least I'm doing something. At least I'm scoring. You know, I don't think you know. Well, he he needs to get to the place where he plays amazing defense, as Michael Malone alluded to. But in the time being, he knows that he needs to put up shots because that is his job and he needs to grab rebounds, which is also his job, which he did. Okay. But you know, and I think that was why he, he, his head wasn't down, but I mean, post game, he, he was asked about, you know, the 28 points getting more comfortable out there. And he said, yeah, but I mean, I'm still really disappointed in the way I played because there were defensive lapses. I think the first like seven plays of the game in game two, the, the jazz again, just kind of went straight at, Porter, And maybe he wasn't the guy who was defending the jazz player who ended up scoring, but the play started with, you know, Joe Ingles attacking Porter or Donovan Mitchell attacking Porter because they know that they can probably get him and and take advantage of that. And, you know, I mean, it, it, the thing with Porter is it's going to take time and it's his first playoffs. And yes, he took really big steps between game one and game two. And I think that's really important. You know, seeing him shoot the 28 points is really like they, the Nuggets need that from him, especially with Gary Harris out and Will Barton out and Will Barton leaving the bubble, you know, for rehab. So they need Michael Porter's volume on offense. And, you know, I, I think of they might, you know, if they if, if they if they're able to get past the jazz. Michael Porter's defense is only going to become more important when they take on a team either the Clippers or the Mavericks. I mean, either way, they have really big strong offensive players and Michael Porter is a big guy who matches up with those other big players. So you need him to be able to do something. And you know, is he going to be the Kawhi Leonard stopper, the Luka Doncic stopper? No. Probably not. <laughs> but I mean, he yeah. needs something. He needs he needs to have an impact somewhere.
2: Yeah, um, those two teams, the Clippers and, and Mavs, especially—they're so good at targeting guys. Mm-hmm. It'll look like the third quarter of Game One of this series, but from the opening tip, I mean, right. they will just go at him. They won't wait for guys to get a little tired. They will just do that. That's their game plan, and, and essentially trying to get the guy who has become Denver's, you know, most reliable scorer outside of Nikola Jokic try to get him in foul trouble, get him off the court. And, and you know, then you're replacing him, you know, with Grant, who I think probably needs a little bit more run, especially given some of the struggles with Millsap, um, mm-hmm. you know, rotating on defense and yeah. stuff. But uh, I, I'm wondering if we aren't about to see a lineup change that doesn't involve Michael Porter. And maybe they need to play around with Grant over Millsap and help Porter out a little bit with a guy who who could maybe pre-switch to get yeah. Mike out of those weird positions. I, I don't know. I'm just literally just came to me while we're sitting here recording. So
0: no, I mean it's definitely a valid point. And I mean Millsap has definitely been struggling on defense, which they cannot have him do. And, and Grant has been much better on defense as well as his offensive game. Has he's been hitting shots and he's been doing what he needs to do. So it's definitely not a wild thought to put on the, put on the table.
2: Well, Millsap has been the life preserver for this defense since he got to Denver. Mm -hmm. He's been the guy that, all right, well, we know Jokic is better playing away from the basket and that's fine because we have Millsap who can make these rotations. And he just hasn't been doing that since, you know, They've been in the bubble in Orlando. And I don't know if it's a conditioning thing. It could be a, a physical thing. I, who knows? I mean, he's almost my age, so I can completely relate to having a hard time making those rotations. I, I get it. Um, with that being said, it gets late, early in the playoffs. And, and this is a team that I don't think should trust itself to go down two to one to Utah, especially, you know, Utah scuffled this season. You know, they had so much internal strife. And these sorts of wins, the one that they just got – and by the way, even the loss, the overtime loss, that's that's a building block for right. Utah. And, and you could see that in game two in their confidence, kind of realizing, you know what? We're a really good basketball team when we want to be. Let's go out and act like it. And, and I think that – you know, this sort of punch in the mouth for the Nuggets where, where it came out early and the Nuggets don't respond, they can't afford to lose game three. Absolutely.
0: And I think it's also important, as much as the Nuggets don't want to play into this, it's important to mention that Mike Connolly has not played for Utah yet. And we we don't have official word if he will be playing in game three, but is it seems as though it's a possibility that his his quarantine will be complete by the game tomorrow. And so yeah. they're going to have to, we you know we talked about over addressing Donovan Mitchell and not let, but also not letting the other guys get going. But now you also throw Mike Connolly in, in the mix. And that's a guy also that they haven't played Yet right. in the playoffs. So you don't even know what he's looking like. And so that's another thing to throw at Denver that they need to figure out. And as I said before, it's really on them right now. This which way this series goes right now is on Denver and their decision making and how they adjust in game three.
2: I want to point out that Jawan Morgan is plus 27 so far in this series. So, I mean, (laughs) I I just, that guy's tough. I really have enjoyed watching him uh, kind of battling with Jokic and and Mm -hmm. some of the bigger guys from the Nuggets. Okay, so uh, it's going to be a week before we get to put out a full episode. This series could be over by then. Weird. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. We didn't talk about this beforehand. Do you have a prediction for the next couple games?
0: Well, I had a prediction heading into the series and now
2: I'm <laughs> yeah. oh, second-guessing like right
0: myself. Yeah. A lot of second guessing, just with the playoffs in general. I'm second guessing oh, yeah. a lot of things right now. Which is which is good basketball that makes you kind mm-hmm. of second guess everything you you know and believe. But I mean, I I originally predicted that this series would go to five or six games, and I think too bad that we're not going to get to record for another week because I think tomorrow's game will kind of dictate which way my prediction for how the series go because I did predict nuggets in five or six but if they come out like they did in game two well then I think I'd probably go Utah in five or six (laughs) games so it's it's really hard to say right now
2: you know there's been a lot of talk and coming into the bubble I was one of these people that said This might feel a lot like an AAU tournament or a college basketball tournament, like end of the year, where a team could get hot or a player could get hot. And right now, Donovan Mitchell is just scorching hot Mm -hmm. and potentially go on a run. And, and, you know, Utah has so many things going for them. And maybe, and I was guilty of this myself, as anyone who listens to any of my various podcasts (laughs) will tell you, uh, I did not respect the Jazz enough. Clearly, uh, they have been a better basketball team that they just didn't play like it, and now they finally started to do it. Um, I'd be a little bit nervous if I was Denver, mm-hmm. and I think this series is going to wind up going six or seven. Yeah, and I can't tell you who's going to no. win, but it is fantastic basketball, and it is a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch, and uh, I look forward to seeing how it plays out. Me too. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, That's going to do it for this week, folks. Uh, Don't forget to follow this show on the Athletic app if you're a subscriber. And if you're not, we've got a 40% off deal. Go to theathletic.com slash playoff40off to save 40% off a year subscription to the Athletic. For Kendra, I'm Dave, and we'll talk to you next week.